First, I got to go to the barn and feed the women. That's right. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins. Joined, as always, by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. That's me. And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Cher. Yeah, that's him. That's all the people. Hello. <laughs> people. <laughs> uh, Hello, people. Well, uh, to to our to our listeners, it's been a week, but uh, to us, it's been four days since we last uh, did a recording. Did you guys? Do you have guys have a rant? To, I do. I do. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I'm as mad as hell. You've never seen me very upset. Thankfully, the universe has decided to curse me uh, in a way that allows me to give you a, a good, fine rant, fresh rant, fresh off of yesterday. Listen, auto manufacturers. Mm. I know, you know they are. I know in many cases you are trying to make things as compact as possible. Um, but I would rather have a boat of a car where changing the battery was as simple as unscrewing two things and lifting it out and putting the new one in and screwing the two things. Mm. Now, my wife, her car battery died. So <clears throat> we went to a place to buy a new battery. And I tweeted about this. I accidentally bought a $100 extended warranty because I thought he asked if I found everything I was looking for um, or if there's anything else he could help me oh, with. Because we're both wearing masks and I'm deaf. And so instead of $159, I paid $259 for a goddamn battery. <clears throat> but he says... Well, is it a 1.4 liter or a 2.4 liter? And I swear to God, I almost said, fuck should I know, dude? Mm -hmm. Um, And I said, is that important? (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, yeah. (laughs) I'll I'll let you guys guess if I bought the right one or the wrong one the first time. (laughs) But one trip later, I had the correct battery. I opened the hood of my wife's car. This is, I have changed batteries in cars like, seven or eight times in my life it did mm-hmm. not used to be complicated and i mm-hmm. think in many cases it's not um this is a little bit of a unique i don't really want to give too much away but it's a jeep it's one of the jeep vehicles and there's a contraption i have to take off the battery first by hand and then there's a couple of weird screws that you don't expect and then i basically get all that popped off and, and i should be able to pull the battery out but there's a strap over it holding it in place mm. I shine a flashlight down in there and the strap goes down and it's connected to a piece of metal and it has one tiny little bolt. It's like maybe 11 inches down and there's, I can't fit my hand down in there to even try to do it by hand. Now I will also admit in the middle of the the middle of this rant, I'm not ratchet guy. I don't know (laughs) shit about ratchets. I've I've got two sets of ratchets with all the little endy bendy things, and I know if you flip the dipper the right way, it goes and you can crank a bolt on or off, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't know how to make of all these ratchet parts something that can reach nearly oh, the, eleven the, inches. The extenders and all that, yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't have, I don't have like a long one. I've got Which mechanics do, and that's yeah, 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 yeah. So I take my two sets together, 
and they both have a mini extender. And I basically cobble together this thing that almost bends. It's so <laughs> wobbly. It's got four or five heads on each end. And I put it down there with my hand, and it fits. First of all, God, it took me maybe 45 minutes to find the right fucking size of that bolt because mm-hmm. I can't eyeball it because I'm an idiot. Once I finally find the right one, I get it down there, and it's too tight to turn by hand. And I'm like, I'm going to have to ratchet this. But here's the kicker. I get the ratchet in there, set it down. I literally have nowhere to go. I can't turn even one degree mm. to ratchet this bolt mm. off. Mm. I assume the only way you can do it is with a really long flip ended <laughs> ratchet, which I have now bought from Amazon, which will be here <laughs> tomorrow. But one use that, in 10 years. Before that, <laughs> I got stubborn. And so right there where I couldn't get my hand in is where I guess it's some kind of polycarbonate plastic engine cover. <clears throat> which said 2.4 liters on the top of mind you um <laughs> i should have known mm-hmm. and i wedge my hand under there and start ratcheting now every time i turn the ratchet first of all i'm only turning about five degrees so it took about 60 turns but my hand is scraping mm-hmm. the edge of this composite fiber plastic shit so now my hand in real life is swollen mm-hmm. and i have a bruise uh but i got that fucking screw off my nice. dude. And nice. I pulled the battery out, and I put the other battery in, and I tightened the battery bits, and I have yet to tighten the strap because I'm not doing that to my hand again. I'm waiting for the uh, extra long ratchet. My point is, changing a car battery is something uh, everyone should be able to do at home. Mm-hmm. Changing your oil is something a lot of people do at home, and should it's easy enough to figure out. Like, changing my engine? Fuck you. I'm going to take it in. Like, changing a battery should be easy. I shouldn't have to pay somebody... A, hourly wage to do that for me but you decided to build this such a such a way that i have to have this one specific tool maybe everybody has that tool maybe you guys are like oh, what an idiot he doesn't know nobody has those these the mechanics have have like literally like a three-foot ratchet extender to do <sighs> exactly that stuff for transmission work and for all that stuff Oh, and nobody's I, got that except for you. I'm going to borrow it from you the next time. Well, I go. You can borrow it. I have never been so angry because, I mean, again, I have done stupid shit before. Like my dryer didn't work and I was like, well, I'm just going to take it apart. And I ended up fixing it on a miracle, but I could have broken it forever and I wouldn't have cared. But here I thought this was I didn't think I was getting into a project. I thought I was getting into something <laughs> very simple, like that would only take 10 minutes at most. And it, I was in there in the garage for two and a half hours. It was 90 degrees yesterday. Oof. I'll let you know what mood yeah. I was in when I was done. So that's my <laughs> fucking rant. Make the battery easy to get in and take out. God damn it. I don't mm-hmm. care if my car doesn't look sporty anymore. I'm never doing that again. I do believe this is your second battery car battery related rant within the last eight months. What was the other one? It was yours. Well, I had, had to get to it jumped it off. Yeah, well, you had to take it to the dealer, and the dealer had to charge you yes, all that stuff. Yes, and the dealer but that's was the a different person that could do it. Yes, that's a different thing. That's a different thing. <laughs> Thank God my wife's car wasn't one of those only the dealer can replace your batteries. But didn't you buy a battery for your car before you had realized that you had to have? Yes, yes I did. Do you, I don't have a good track record. Do you think that the reason why it's like that is for some sort of uh, they want you to take it in reason? Because it, it, it's it is weird that it would be so difficult to change it out uh, that they would make things so hard. Like you know that when they did the when they tested that car out and everything, they they took the battery out and put it back in and all that. And somebody would have said, you know, this battery is kind of hard to put in. 
Although it could have been the situation where they had the three foot extender thing. It's like, well, if everybody has a three foot extender and they should, (laughs) you know, I mean, I think with my car, it's, it's a it's two years newer. And I think they are doing the Apple thing where they don't want you breaking up, breaking open your car and fixing it yourself. If they can get another 50 bucks out of you to bring it to the dealer. It Mm. wasn't even now granted. I anyway, no, that was a whole nother ramp. Uh, But just the battery should be simple. I shouldn't have to take it to a dealer. I shouldn't have to break my hand. Uh, it shouldn't take me two and a half hours. Um, should be pop in, pop out, boom, go. And, you know, um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you guys do that stuff on your own. I know that for a fact that I could learn how to do that stuff on my own, but I always take it to a shop and have them do all the shit. And there's no fault in that. No, that's um, why they're there. <laughs> I've had I just, I've in a pandemic, my for 55 years. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. no, I mean, honestly, in a pandemic, I just didn't really want the hassle of, saying come tow my car and then i'll drive behind you and go to this shop where there are a bunch of different people probably not wearing masks and i just thought it's a battery it's not a transmission it's not new brakes it's a battery mm-hmm. how hard could it be very fucking hard mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> well it's 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 uh, so frustrating when you don't have the right tool where you can identify the problem and you're like, or, or the, the issue. And you'd be like, I could pop that off in two seconds if I only had this particular thing. And yeah. you don't have that particular thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like and, I said, you're going to get that thing. You're going to use it once. And then 10 years later, you'll finally use it again. Or no, 10 years later, I'll need it again. And I don't want to know where the fuck it is. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's it's right. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be in your golf club bag or something. <laughs> 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 yep, that's it. That would be fantastic. Uh, hey, I have a much uh, less serious rant, but nevertheless more frustrating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. So a thought occurred to me yesterday. And the th- that thought was... I remember there was a time in the early aughts when a band called Limp Biscuit mm-hmm, they did a cover mm-hmm. of a song that was written by The Who called Behind Blue Eyes. Yeah. And mm. you've heard this song, right, Jeremy? Mm, no one no. knows what it's like oh, to yes, be I have. a bad man. Okay. Yeah, yep, yep. Okay. All right. Further, I remembered this song and I remembered it being shitty. I remembered it being pretty bad because it's Fred Durst singing this dirgy, like stained uh, cover of a classic Who song. Even further, I remembered the video for this starred Halle Berry. Even further, further, I remember that Fred Durst starred in this video with Halle Berry and that he directed this video and that he made out with Halle Berry Mm -hmm. in this video. And for whatever reason, I became obsessed with finding this video and seeing this, even though I knew it would make me throw up. Because I did the first time I saw it. Mm. So I pull up, I'm like, hey, you know what? That happened. And I confirmed it happened. Click on the official (laughs) video. And I'm like, all right, here it is. I'm going to strap in, take my pants off, and we're going to see how this plays out. Yeah, man. And uh, so... So I do this, and it's a bunch of old concert footage. It's like an old Poison video where it's like <laughs> dancing around and like doing and crowd surfing and jumping moshing pits and stuff like that. And I'm like, what? This no, no, this isn't right. <laughs> and that's all it is. It's just a bunch of slow motion, like fucking did it all for the nookie stuff. And I'm like, no, that's not it. I want to see this gross stuff. And so uh, what 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 it turned out was that 
So it was bifurcated. It was bifurcated. There was there was one version that was on the Limp Biscuit official album called Results God damn May Bifurcation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Results May Vary came out in 2003. Also coming out in 2003 was a movie called Gothica. Mm-hmm. Gothica. I don't know why I said it like that. Gothica uh, starred Halle Berry, right? Yep. And she was in a, a, a psychiatric institution. Did you guys ever see Gothica? Yeah, it's it was It was bad. It was a really mm-hmm. bad movie. Uh, she was a doctor and a patient. Ooh, spoiler. That's right. So uh, <laughs> at the time, it's not on YouTube, but at the time, because this shit was on TRL and stuff like that, at the time, was the, the official video was the Gothica video in which Halle Berry starred and didn't make out. And so I found a fuzzy version of that, and it still made me sick, even though it was fuzzy. So what happens is Fred Durst is all shirtless in a in a psychiatric institution with his blonde hair, and he doesn't even have his like backwards Yankees hat or whatever. And I'm giving too much detail. But what happens is she comes in as the doctor. He's the patient. She comes in with her clipboard, and they start they start not only making out. You guys, you have to watch the fuzzy version. They, he like he like sucks her chin. Yeah, and, that's and right. He's, he's Fred he's, Durst and Halle Berry. Fred Durst and Halle Berry. He's sucking her chin and he's biting her lip and like I think he gets a nose action in there and like he's just all love, over her face. I would love just, to know what the discussion was before all of this, right? Like yeah. you know, what? you know, Fred you Durst came up with all this because he wanted to do that to Halle Berry. Oh yeah, you can because there's a behind the music video back when MTV used to do that stuff. Behind the video, there's that on YouTube, but there's not the actual video itself. Mm. And I'm very annoyed by it. And what's funny in that behind the 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 music video thing, Fred Durst is on there. He's like, you know what? This is back when Fred Durst decided, you know, he's going to be like a serious artist and shit like that. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know what? I, uh, I was thinking last night. I went in. Next day of the studio, and I was like, we should record Behind Blue Eyes by The Who. And uh, he was like, all right. And we went in, and we cut it, and uh, I heard it, and I was like, yeah, that's my song. That's definitely my song. That's, that's, that's my thing. I'm like, motherfucker, the fucking Who. The Who. <laughs> the Who wrote this. Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey wrote this. Not Fred Durst and Wes Borland. And DJ <laughs> screws a lot, or whatever his name is. Dexter Carson Daly and Fred Durst. Let's do them argue with what the was DJ. DJ Lethal was their, their DJ. I'm surprised I know that. Anyway, there's multiple levels to this frustration. First, that it happened. Second, that I couldn't find it to verify that it happened. Third, when I did find it, it was blurry. And so, <laughs> and so I didn't get a satisfactory it's like it's like it's like when you're about it's like when you're about to go but you can't and so it just stops there (laughs) okay so i just um yeah totally (laughs) i just um i just looked up because i was going to pivot and mention that he is like a trying to be a director now because he Mm -hmm. made that football movie and then he made that fanatic movie with was it Travolta yes. that was in that. Um, but I, I, more importantly, now I want to point out he directed that video short for Behind Blue Eyes. Yes, um, and he also directed. He's credited on IMDb for directing his own sex tape. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Two thousand five, Fred Durst sex tape short, 
and 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 it says in parentheses uncredited. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uncredited. But it says uncredited because oh. you know they didn't have credits on the sex tape. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, it's a directing credit, and I guarantee you, he. I'm pretty sure really famous people can control what their IMDb says, right? <laughs> right? Probably. Hold you on. Would think. Isn't, oh, and isn't there a pro level where like right. they write their own bios if they want? And I think so. Yeah, so they have their agents or whoever do it. That kind so of did thing. he put it on there? Because I think he did. <laughs> yeah, and it could be very. It could be very simply. He doesn't have anybody mess with that, and and uh, some asshole threw that on there, like a Wikipedia entry or something. Maybe I have Maybe. never seen a sex tape listed on IMDb, but now I'm looking up Chris, uh, Kim Kardashian. What? <laughs> I bet Paris Hilton has her as uh, one night in Paris listed. When was the uh, Kim Kardashian one? Where? Oh, God. I don't know what year. Pennsylvania? Oh, no, you when? said when. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said where. Uh, I was to know. Let's see. Chloe. I'm sorry. Hang on. Let me just see. Do we know what it was called? It was just called the, the sex tape, right? No idea what it was called. Just look her up on IMDb. I'm looking her up on, on IMDb. Uh, It'd be like the second credit. If it's there. No, it's not there. Okay. Oh, archive footage? Ooh. Maybe. <laughs> archive footage. Uh, no, I don't think so. No. Uh, are you looking up One Night in Paris? Yeah. No, definitely no. I mean, yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking to see if it's on the IMDb. House of Wax, the OC. <laughs> oh, yeah. that that It was called House of Wax, not One Night in Paris. Yeah, One Night in Paris. <laughs> What? Is on, it's on is there? on is on her self wow. when she plays herself. Wow. You think she's proud of that one? Because that's not uh that's not a that's not good a good look. I for mean, her, right? you know, I mean, it's that a good was, look. like all those ones that have some sort of uh company behind it, they got money for that shit. So and it boosted their profiles, all of them. Paris Hilton, Kim Kardashian. It is when what was, it is. Uh, when was One Night in Paris? 2004. Yeah, I don't see it. It's in herself uh, when she plays uh, herself. Look at that. It's called a video documentary. Yes. Wow. Wow. Let's click on the actual link, One Night in Paris. Who was her co-star? Oh, it was, uh, what's Rick his name? Solomon. Rick Solomon, who who's a, like a poker player. Is he the Gone Wild guy? No, no, no. He's a poker but, player? Yeah, I've seen him on some some pretty big poker uh, shows before. He's not a professional, but he's 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 been in some pretty big tournaments and everything. And he's he just always he looks weird and all sorts of shit. You know what's mm. funny is that this has a four point four rating. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very good. Yeah, it's all night vision. It sucks. <laughs> it's, it's got it's got twenty eight hundred ratings. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, it's it is funny. It is the phenomenon of people going to the IMDb and like I've got to rate this shit. <laughs> like it's not even it's not even a zero or like a five. It's a four point four, like a very specific rating. Yeah, people put a lot of thought into this. 
Wow, that uh, rant kind of went off the rails. No, oh, in it a good did. way. Yeah, it somehow somehow went from Fred Durst and behind blue eyes to fucking one night in Paris. <laughs> well, that's just the weird thing to me is that, you know, how does Fred Durst approach Halle Berry and say, I'm going to do all this stuff to you? And it has nothing to do with my own personal uh, needs or anything like that. It's just, it's art, man. It's what we do in the music video. And she's probably, she's probably sitting there like, go, I, I guess she goes, I don't know. As long as you're paying me, I don't care. And I'm like, I don't know. Or it's maybe she likes Fred Durst. Who knows? By the she way, said, to put a bow on this, to put a bow on this, Kim Kardashian comma superstar 2007 is on IMDb. Does. Directed by Ray J, uncredited, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has a 5.4. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. But how many ratings? 2,800, more or less? 404. Yeah, yeah. see, there you go. If more I people mean, rated, she had like it would three come years down. on this, but like, come on. Come on, people. Let's get these ratings. That's up. right. <laughs> Everyone if, go to it. Never mind. If 50,000 people rate the Kim Kardashian superstar, I will tweet out this. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, I'll gladly tweet blah, blah, blah if they do that. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So, um, uh, so Halle Berry, Fred Durst. There you go. Yep. Um, I, I, it's like I said, it's been four days. I'm sure that there are things that I could rant about. But I I do not have not uh, done anything in the last four days that I've been like or experienced anything in the last four days that uh, requires a rant. Um, and uh, you know I could keep doing movie style rants, but uh, you know the you know we're gonna keep cinema sins as cinema sins uh, for the most part. Uh, you know and not do those all the time. I'll, <laughs> I'll probably get back to a movie rant at some point, but. Uh, but yeah, I don't have anything to to, to yell about uh, today. So we'll go on to our our next our next thing, which is a recasting. No stars. No stars. I want Bruce Willis. Not Bruce Willis. No Schwarzenegger. Julia Roberts. This is bad. Bad for movie stars everywhere. Whoa! Ooh, been a while. It's been a while since we've done a recasting. Um, uh, twenty years ago. A movie called Almost Famous came Ooh. out. Cameron mm-hmm. Crowe. Um, debatably, maybe his last good movie. Mm, yes. Vanilla Sky, Vanilla Sky is one of those that gets... Uh, it's You either hate it or you love it. I don't know. Um, uh, but then after Vanilla Sky, it started really starts going downhill after that. But, uh, but Almost Famous is great. It's got a million people in it that are are fantastic um and we figured we would uh how would we recast this today in 2020 so um who wants to go first i think we should let mr b go first he did the first casting oh yeah all right (laughs) let he who does the first casting throw out the first stone or some shit this was tough though i mean because there are so many there are so many female characters in this movie that are between 18 and 22 at mm-hmm. least. Uh, and there's only so many actresses in Hollywood that are between those ages. And so I'm guessing at least once or twice, we all kind of went outside the age range uh, where we had to, but yeah, just glancing, I think we all had good castings. Yeah. And I don't, I think there's only the only, I saw only one overlap and that was in, and I, I did mine before I started looking at you guys, uh, 
completely. Like I would, I would write a name down and then I would go up and look at your, your guys thing. Like, okay, good. They didn't choose that. But then there were a couple of <laughs> times where I was like, uh, I chose somebody and then I looked up and I was like, Oh, they have that person for somebody else. But anyway, uh, I think for all, for most part, we've got a lot of different actors. Like there's not very much overlap. We definitely yeah, do. Yeah. The, the overall, the, this is such a good movie and it's such a unique movie. It's a, it's such a movie that only Cameron Crowe could, well, obviously only Cameron Crowe could make because he lived it. Uh, yeah. it's such a weird story that probably nobody would come up with this unless you had lived it. Right. Mm-hmm. He was this yeah. wunderkind of a writer, uh, early on at 15 years old that was taken under uh, his wing by Lester Banks, a legendary rock critic, uh, who appears in this movie. And uh, he has a fictionalized version of himself. Obviously, a lot of this stuff is fictionalized, too. But this this is probably, I mean, besides maybe singles, maybe Fast Times at Ridgemont High, this is probably the most personal movie that uh, that he's done. Of course, he didn't direct Fast Times, but he wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you know, this is like just a perfect encapsulation of that time in music. What I did like, and this will inform my first casting, what I did like is that he didn't get super names to do this. Like he had just worked with Tom Cruise and Jerry Maguire was about to work with him again in vanilla sky, uh, big names overall. And he cast Billy Crudup as, as his lead. Now, Billy Crudup was a star on the rise, great actor and everything. Jason Lee had been mostly known for the Kevin Smith movies. Kate Hudson, this was one of her first roles, wasn't it? Yeah, Kate Hudson yep. was in like a movie called Gossip, I think, the year, like the same year. Yeah, with uh, Josh Jackson. Yeah, with Josh Jackson. Uh, and that was the first time I ever saw her. And then like within months, she was in that in Almost Famous and uh, like, uh, you know, shot up into the stratosphere there for a while. Yeah, and I, I, I think the movie is better for that. Don't you guys think? Like it's better for not having Tom Cruise as – Russell Hammond, right? Yeah, you can't. I think. I think that's a, a definitely a, a conscious choice on his part because you can't have. You know, the I don't know if he originally was going to call this almost famous. It doesn't really matter, but it's weird. It would be weird to have really famous people in a movie called <laughs> Almost Famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, uh, but like, you know, the idea of it being uh, just a a, a blue collar band that they, he's following following around it wouldn't make any sense for there to be yeah, Cruz and Pitt and all these people. Um, you have to have some, some people who are like, yeah, you, you may have seen them a couple of times here and there, but uh, you know, it, it makes more sense to put those kind of people in. Well, plus they're all good looking enough and charismatic enough to pull off Rockstar, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, the Jason Lee character and the Billy Crudup character oozed, Rockstar charm. And uh is it's Jason Lee is actually singing that song, right? Fever I Dog? I don't know. Uh I, I think know. I heard that. Which uh, is uh, okay. a great song, by the way, and I can't remember who 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 wrote the song. Okay, so uh Cameron Crow himself and uh Nancy Wilson, his wife. Oh, that's time, right. Nancy wrote Wilson. Three of them. Peter Frampton was on a couple of them. Mm. And uh, Mike McCready from uh, Pearl Jam uh, played guitar on one of them. Hang on. I can tell you in two seconds. These songs sound very much like something you would hear in the 70s. Like they're like they sound like they're actual hits 
from the seventies and everything. I love that fever dog song. Oh, fuck. Yeah. No. Yeah. And it was Peter Frampton that, uh, that wrote, uh, some of them too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he wrote the other two and Nancy Wilson and Cameron Crowe wrote the three of the boop, 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 boop. Hello, Peter Frampton. Would you mind writing some song, original songs from my movie? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's amazing. Anyway, so let me get to my casting. Yes, yes, I'm sorry. So for the, the Russell Hammond, who's the main character, he's the, he's the lead guitarist. He's not the singer. Uh, but Billy Crudup, who um, uh, William, young William, uh, basically attaches himself to, I picked Himesh Patel. Uh, okay. who was the, uh, the lead actor in yesterday. I've talked He's your about new hotness, isn't he, man? He, he really is he, my he, new hotness. I, I imagined a rock star. And in that yesterday movie, he embodies very much a rock star, mm-hmm. especially with the guitar. He can play that very well. Uh, he can sing very well. He, he just, uh, exudes a rock star charm. Also not a quote, huge name until Tenet comes out. Maybe he'll become a name after that. Um, but, uh, I think he, he would be spectacular in this role charismatic you, you want to root for this type of guy even when he fucks up and he's got a new girlfriend and stuff like that <clears throat> anyway so that's russell hammond that's a that's a big character uh, i'm just going by order of imdb not necessarily importance uh so elaine miller who played uh william's mom by played by uh, francis mcdormand spectacular in this as she always is uh, i went back and forth a few times on this uh but i chose julia louis dreyfus because mm-hmm. she's she can be serious and scathing. I mean, she gives Russell the 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 business when he comes to to uh, meet William at the end of the uh, the movie. So I think she could get that acerbic wit going. Uh, plus, it's always nice to see her and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So here's the the a run of really important characters. <clears throat> Penny Lane. <laughs> Penny Lane, uh, famously played by Kate Hudson. I thought about this energy that, that Penny Lane exudes and its sexuality, but it's also not innocence, but just like an understanding, an old soul, a sweetheart, but also like a realist. She knows, you know, what the deal is and that kind of thing. And the person it made me think of was Hunter Schaefer from Euphoria, uh, mm-hmm. who has a very similar character in that where she – you know, she's promiscuous, but she owns it. Uh, she uh, is is a free spirit, uh, but she also is a very human character. Uh, she cares for people, that kind of thing. I think this would be a spectacular way uh, for her to break out uh, into other stuff, too. And I could see everybody fall in love with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so that's Penny Lane. And plus, she's beautiful. She's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, so Jeff Beebe, Jason Lee's character. Jason Lee plays such a good character in this. He's like right on the edge of like Brody of like, you know, yelling, especially about the T-shirts and all that shit. But like, but like he's he's a, so he's he's different enough to where you could believe him being a rock star. Uh, so Jeff is going to be played by Alden Ehrenreich. Yeah. On yeah, Solo himself. Okay. Uh, I could see him having the arrogance that uh, Jeff has. Uh, the uh, the charisma the charisma to be a lead singer in a big band I think he'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Another hard one: William Miller, Patrick Fugit. Patrick Fugit had been in a few things at this point, but he was he was young. Like his character's young, but he was also young, uh, also looked young. And I came up with what I really really like: Jack Dylan Grazer. Uh, this kid is awesome. He was Eddie from It, the sick kid 
in it oh, chapter okay. one, and he was the sidekick in Shazam, the kid with the uh, the arm braces, uh, who was fantastic in Shazam, uh, even better I think in that movie than he was in it, and he could play innocent, uh, but still, Patrick Fugit plays this really well where he's he's innocent but he's also kind of wise beyond his years, you know, he's he's a savant basically, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's what I came up with. Anita Miller, his sister, Zoe Deschanel. Uh, De- Deschanel? Deschanel? Deschanel. Deschanel. Uh, Shailene Woodley. Hey. Yeah. Hey. That's a good one. Thank you. I agree. Shailene uh, Woodley would be great. Also very wizened, very street smart, that kind of thing. She's going to become an air hostess in the 60s. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yep. All right. Now the who is. Uh, the, uh, (laughs) I'm kidding. The, the band-aids as they call themselves or the, the quote groupies that are, (laughs) Hey man, you know, they call themselves band-aids because it's not just about the sex. They love the music. They love the music. There is also a lot of sex too. That is true. Uh, these new girls eat all the steak. God damn, I love Feruza Balk so oh, much. I, oh. <laughs> I love her so much. <laughs> okay, so uh, Polexia Aphrodosia, uh, which who, who remembers her name, but it's Anna Paquin, uh, mm-hmm. one of the, the three girls that, that uh, gives William the most amazing sexual experience of his life, and it's his first time, and that's not really fair. Uh, so she's one of the ones, the, the Band-Aid's, uh, who's very, very good in this. And Let's it's Kiernan Shipka. Let's deflower the kid. <laughs> Let's deflower. Your time has come. Uh, so uh, Kiernan Shipka, Sally Draper oh. herself, Kiernan uh-huh. Shipka, is going to be my Polexia Aphrodosia, and she's going to rock uh, Jack's world. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sapphire, who is our for- aforementioned Feruza Balk, is Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. a, a little bit older. Uh, then her character would be playing, but you could see Zoe Kravitz just getting in there and doing this. Yeah, sex. yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, she's a. Uh, I mean, Feruza Balk, I think, was only like twenty. I mean, she was twenty six, so she was a little bit older than the other uh, band aids that were yeah. in the movie. But it works but, out. It works yeah, out. It's not a big deal. Estrella Star, who's Bijou Phillips, uh, who was uh, you know the third band aid that uh, converges on this uh, this uh, boy, uh, is going to be played by Maya Hawk. There's a lot of nepotism, by the way, mm, in this mm-hmm. because we got Jack Dylan Grazer, who's like the grandson, son, nephew of Brian Grazer. Right. Um, you've got uh, uh, you've got Zoe Kravitz, who's uh, uh, Lenny and uh, and Lisa Bonet, mm-hmm. and then yep. you got Maya Hawk, who's uh, Uma and uh, Ethan. Anyway, right. So those are the girls that are doing girl stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, very important character, maybe my favorite part of this entire movie are the conversations with Lester Bangs, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman plays this fucking character perfectly. Uh, the only character I could see fitting into that role is Joaquin Phoenix. Actually there's two characters and Jeremy picked my second favorite that I didn't even think of, but we'll get to that in a second. Joaquin Phoenix could totally play the oddball, uh, that, throws around records at the uh, at the the radio station saying Iggy Pop it's too early for Iggy Pop Iggy Pop <laughs> uh, Dennis Hope by the way I went way too deep into this and I think I caused everybody to go way too deep you did. in this you did uh, Dennis Hope mm-hmm. is the sudden Jimmy Fallon 
that shows up and gets him a private plane and all that stuff. And you got to think that Justin Timberlake could kill that role, right? Perfect. I mean, that would be, that would be fun as hell. Uh, okay. So, so the, the, the poor cheated on girlfriend, (laughs) I can't uh, believe you cast this girl. Right? You cast out of nowhere. I thought, hey, what the hell? Uh, the one that has to put up with Hunter Schaefer uh, de- messing with, with her man, uh, <laughs> Leslie, <laughs> is going to be Ana de Armos. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Did you cast the bellhop or the or the EMT that has to flush Penny's Dude, stomach? Dude, Leslie's in like the last third of the movie. He gets all excited for something like that. He's in like two scenes. Well, she's in the important scenes. She's in the restaurant scene where Penny Lane shows up and takes the lewds. Okay. And then I did did the rest of the band. The rest of the band is completely anonymous, by the way. Do you remember who's in the rest of the band? I don't. uh, I don't remember the actors' names. Exactly. The bass player and the drummer. You have the the one guy who like when they had when they're in the plane crash or about to get in the plane crash where he's like, uh, everybody, I'm gay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I don't care who knows, I'm gay. Uh, uh, yeah, so I because they're so invisible, I decided to cast two actors that I mistake for each other all the time, and they're essentially the same person: Emil Hirsch and Dane DeHaan. <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah, mm, there you go. Mm. <laughs> so I don't even care who plays bass and who plays drums. They're 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 interchangeable. They're fine oh. actors. They're they're good looking guys. They could pull off rock stars, but they're also forgettable. That's my cast. There you go. I like the cast. All right. All like right. Do we like this cast? I think I I, do. I put a I lot of thought into good. it. Okay. No, I think no, you I had think... two or three that I'm jealous of. Uh, and in general, I like it. Yeah, I Thank do. You. Thank you. Yeah. You or me, Chris? You go ahead. All right, so I'm going to give you uh, Chris Hemsworth instead of uh, Billy Crudup for Russell Hammond. Okay, can I ask you something? Sure. What made you think of this? I don't know if it was subconscious or conscious, but did you picture Chris Hemsworth with long hair standing on the top of the roof saying, I am a golden god? (laughs) No, but I pictured him with long hair and shirtless, and like I think he could deliver the lines the same way kind of personality like because crudup's great in this movie he goes Mm -hmm. between you know serious and humorous um i just feel like hemsworth has that kind of charm where you know he's a he's not tom cruise he's probably a little too famous but he could be a rock star in an up-and-coming band that's about to get a cover of rolling stone written about them Mm -hmm. um and I, i think i skewed a little older on the band than you guys did or at least barrett did and i thought another thing that came to mind is that we all gloss over here is that these girls are pretty young and these guys are all like 30, uh, mm. late twenties, early thirties. It's a little yeah. bit of skeeziness here. Crudup was 33 or 34 when this movie came out. Jason Lee yeah. was a little bit younger than Crudup. Uh, and then, yeah, like Kate Hudson was 20 and not even she was 20. Her character, I think was in high school or was mm. that age. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not trying to make everybody skeezed out. Um, so for the mom, uh, Frances McDormand, I picked Jennifer Aniston. I, mm, nice. I, I specifically pictured that scene. Rock stars have kidnapped my son. Yeah. But I can see her really <laughs> doing that justice. Plus, um, she's sneakily 51. She is. She's over yeah, 50. Yeah. Um, and she still looks great. Oh, as all women over 50 do. Um, for Penny Lane, I really wanted to go with Zendaya um, yeah. because I think she has that charm. I think there's a very specific quality needed here to play this character. 
Uh, unlike the other band-aids, which I find to be relatively interchangeable, this one has to be magnetic. It has to be, it has to ooze both confidence in the right moments and complete fragility uh, in the, in the others. Um, and I think I probably just have cast Zendaya too many times and things. So I'm going with some, a new actress that I'm uh, enjoying is Amanda, Amanda Stenberg. Yeah. Hate you um, give. Oh yeah, yeah. The girl from the hate you give, she played Rue in the first hunger games and the hate you give. She's about 21. I think maybe uh, about the same age uh, Kate Hudson was when they uh, made almost famous. Mm-hmm. She's so charming in the hate you give when she smiles genuinely yeah. Uh, at one of those boys flirting with her, what have you. There is something magnetic about that girl. And I think she's going places. And I so think I chose so her. Um, and you put these in a weird order, but for Jason Lee's Jeff Beebe character, I'm going with Jason Siegel. I couldn't think of anybody else. Um, <laughs> Shouldn't he's basically, he be the bass player? <laughs> I think the order is coming off of the IMDb credits, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Slap into um, bass. Slap into bass. So <laughs> here's where I do a little bit of a departure for William Miller for Patrick Fugert's role. I'm making it gay, and I went with Sophia Lillis. There you um, go. Nice. Who I think could pull off the right amount of, um, and it's not actually making it gay. I guess I'm sort of making the story by. Yeah. If Penny yeah. Lane is. Penny Lane's still of, sleeping with the but, lead singer, but yeah. she can anyway, still be flirting with the the William Miller character, yeah. Mm-hmm. I could see her playing a character that, you know, is innocent and new to this world um, and gets pulled in. Um, <clears throat> for the Band-Aids, again, I believe these characters are largely interchangeable. I went with... Uh, oh, I skipped one, but I'll come back to that. Anya Taylor-Joy, India Isley, and Lana C- Condor, who's Jubilee in X-Men Apocalypse. Nice. Yeah, I... <clears throat> I uh, I've seen Indy Isley in a few things, uh, but when I but when you I looked at this when I looked this up I was like God she looks like she's like fourteen years old or something but she's <laughs> she's, she's twenty seven yeah she's twenty seven wow. years old yeah um, and she's and um was, I'm sorry I was already break uh, she's uh, uh what's her name from Romeo and Juliet's uh, daughter um, yeah Olivia Olivia Hussey Hussey's daughter yeah mm. yeah. Um, for the older sister, Zoe Deschanel, I'm choosing Caitlin Deaver from yeah. Booksmart. Nice. Yeah, perfect. I uh, especially think that shoulder slouched, exhausted at the end, uh, being brought home by her <laughs> sibling. Uh, I think she could nail that. You know, it's funny, though. You know, I was sitting, I was sitting here thinking, who's like Zoe Deschanel these days? There's mm-hmm. really not very many mm-hmm. of those. I mean, she's the embodiment of the pixie dream girl, right? Like yep. She plays a lot of those roles. And I looked her up recently and like after that new girl stuff, and she's really just done voice work for trolls and that's about it. And <laughs> I'm wondering what, what if she's like just settled down with like a family or something and doesn't want to act too much anymore or, or what? Well, she was, she does uh, music stuff too. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, um, <clears throat> all right. Anyway, let me get back to the casting. Um, all right. So for Lester Bangs, this is my best poll. I think I yeah. got Bill Hader. <laughs> Say it again. Bill I'm sorry. Hader. Who is it? Yeah, Bill Hader. I think could totally play this role. He may have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He may have to put on weight. I don't know. And no. wear a wig. No, he's perfect. He's he's so perfect that I got angry 
when I saw that. <laughs> yeah. like, God damn it. No, he can lower his, his voice to a red. He's got such a range. Yeah. He can be serious but goofy at times. They're not your friend. I was he that mad. Say, they're not your friend. They're going to offer yeah. you drugs. They're yeah. going to do this. They're not he your friend. He could do that. You know, oh, I've God. met you. You're not cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally be that guy. Um, all right. So uh, I was mad at your Timberlake pull. Uh, so I had to go, uh, instead of Jimmy Fallon, I'm picking Donald Gleason. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, I think could be charming in that role. Uh, the girlfriend who I didn't feel the need to recast, but I still did it. I'm picking Miley Cyrus. Why not? Um, yeah. <laughs> Sure. And then for the other two members of the band, since I already got uh, Jason Siegel in this band, I went with Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill. Uh, <laughs> there you go. This suddenly starts becoming an Apatovian, almost famous. <laughs> I'd be there for it. Yeah, for sure. No, I love I love this. And 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 I forgot to mention when you, you you may have brought this up, but I was looking some I was looking up this uh who actually sang the songs in Almost Famous while you were talking about Justin Timberlake. It's a perfect re, you know, a replacement for Jimmy Fallon since they did so many things together on Saturday Night Live when yeah. Timberlake was uh mm-hmm. you know uh, in his heyday and everything. Uh I did look up who sang the songs. His name's Marty Fredrickson. Oh, oh, Mar Fred. Uh, yeah, he's in. Uh, he's in a band called Bonham, which I'm wondering was that Jason Bonham's. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, Jason Bonham's uh, uh, group. So he he's he's the singing. He's the guy doing the singing in the movie. Um. Okay. So yeah, you guys, you guys killed it on yours. So I had to like, you know, I had to. I had to come up with the scraps. No, I came up with some good ones. Uh, for Russell Hammond, I have Robert Pattinson. If you, oh. if you haven't seen Robert Pattinson since Twilight, then you've been missing some great performances. Mm-hmm. That guy's got the chops. That guy uh, is is uh, is awesome. He's about the same age as Crudup was. Did uh, you... Uh... Did you see that story about where he tried to lie to Christopher Nolan about his Batman audition? Yeah. And he said, Oh he no, a, I didn't. They were shooting tenant. And he said, he had a, I got a family emergency and Nolan just deadpan. You're going to audition for Batman. Aren't you? Like he just knew. right? <laughs> <away>. <laughs> That's awesome. Which is the convergence of things. It's so beautiful. Hey, uh, what is uh Pattinson's best movie? I haven't caught up with him recently. I wanted to see Cosmopolis. I wanted to see, good time i could see good time at any point but like i know he's been in good movies but what is his you know i i and i probably haven't seen his best performance because he's in several other movies i've been told have been are really good and i need to go on a on a run here but the the ones i've seen i love good time Mm. uh and i love um i love uh his performance in the lighthouse oh uh, okay i forgot that yes i love that I love that. Yeah, and and if if you've been seeing anything that he's been in recently, he's just, you know, he's obviously one of these people who gets it. He, it's only a matter of time before he has what what would be considered a second breakout role. And it might be that tenant, who knows. Uh but uh but like, you know, it, it's only a matter of time before that guy starts getting awards recognition mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So, yeah, Lighthouse um, is amazing. Yeah. Uh, for Elaine Miller with the Francis McDormand character, I have Catherine Hahn. 
Oh, nice. Yeah, Catherine Hahn uh, showed that she could play that kind of a dorky mom and Mrs. Fletcher. And uh, and so uh, I, I think she would be a good replacement here. Here's one overlap that I had. Penny Lane, I have Maya Hawk for that. Uh, nice. for, for Penny Lane. I think she is the, has, has the sort of that perfect kind of uh, quality to her. And she's... And she's interesting, by the way, to look at because she is the perfect blend of her parents. Like yeah. you can see Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke in her face. <laughs> it's the craziest thing. Like most of the time you're like, okay, yeah, I get it. They, you know, I can see them being, I can see those parents, that, that, you know, that person, their parents, I can see that. But th- like it's perfect for her. It's uncanny. Yeah. Uh, for Jeff Beebe, the Jason Lee character, I have Dave Franco. Uh, oh, nice. Uh, now, nice. the only thing about Dave Franco, I had him there and I w- took him off. And then, like, you know, I don't know if I can really see him as a rocker, a long haired rocker guy, because he's always playing these clean cut, you know, like, you know, I, I'm, but I'm sure he could pull it off. I think mm-hmm. he could do it. He could do it well. Do it well. Uh, for William Miller, the Patrick Fugit character, I have Noah Jupe. Uh, who is in Honey Boy, and he is uh, Christian oh. Bale's kid in Ford versus Ford versus Ferrari. Oh, uh, he's good. Um, he's uh, he's in a couple of other things that I can't remember right now, but that kid is everywhere. Uh, and uh, I think he would be a good uh, 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 William Miller for young William. By the way, I cast him too. I have huh. Christopher Christopher Convery who uh, is in the boy too, but I think he was also in stranger things and, and things like that. I just, I just picked him because, Hey, he's a young kid who could, could fit the role Cool uh, for Dick Roswell. Their, uh, their manager um, that played that Noah Taylor played in the uh, oh, wow. original. I have Patrick Fugit playing that <laughs> as a callback uh, to the whole thing. Nice. Uh, so Patrick Fugit will play the, will play Dick Roswell. Uh, Anita Miller, the Zoe Deschanel character, I have Margaret Qualley playing. Oh, nice. Uh, her, um, in fact, there was a, a period there where I was looking at Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and just looking at all the different uh, women that Quentin Tarantino cast in that movie. And I was like, geez, how many of these would be perfect <laughs> for a lot of this stuff? Yeah. Um, for Palexia Aphrodisia, the Anna Paquin character, I have Maisie Williams uh, for her. <laughs> nice. Um, you wow. know, I, 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 it was another one that I did a revolving door of actors, and I was like, I don't want it to be all the same, like from all the same source. And like, like I said, I had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood like up there, and I was like, geez, all these people would be perfect and everything. And I was sitting there like, where could I put Sydney Sweeney? I could put Sydney Sweeney somewhere. But like, uh, but uh, ended up on Maisie Williams for her. So Maisie Williams is 18, 19 or something like that now, right? She's 23. She's 23. But of course, as you saw her grow in Game of Thrones, everybody kind of thought of her as a kid which is why people lost their shit when she uh, <laughs> seduced the the dude, right? In the, yeah, yeah, last yeah. Season. Uh, but she's of age. She's completely in control of her sexual. What's going to be weird, though, is New Mutants was f- filmed like four or five years ago or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so she's yeah. going to be reverted to looking like her old self again. So like casting her in something like this would be probably a shock to some people, but she would look 23-ish or so, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, for Sapphire, the Feruza Balk character, I have L Fanning uh, <clears throat> in there. Uh, you know, L Fanning, I think can 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 play that sort of that uh, that really solid rock chick like Feruza Balk does in this. Uh, for Estrella Star, the Bijou Phillips character, I have Lily Rose Depp. Nice, uh, nice. Uh, and then for uh, Lester Bangs, now you guys, of course, you guys killed it with your Lester Bangs. I'm going to go with Army Hammer for, ah. uh, for Lester Bangs here. I, I think like he's that. solid. Uh, the you know I don't know if we've I don't know if uh, Hollywood's truly tapped into the greatness of Army Hammer yet. Um, I had um, sorry to bother you running on repeat about a month or two ago <laughs> on uh, my uh, Blu-ray. And that movie gets better and better and better the more really? I watch it. Ooh. Yeah, the, when I first watched it, I was like half and half on it. Like, man, but now I just love everything that's insane about that movie. Mm. And um, and Army Hammer is so, so good in that movie. And, uh, and, and a lot of the other things that we've seen him in. So I think he would be a good Lester Banks. Um, for Dennis Hope, uh, the Jimmy Fallon character, I have Bo Burnham. Uh, oh, in. I that, like that. I like uh, that a lot. <laughs> if you think, uh, who, are the, who who's the new substitute, though, instead of uh, Mick Jagger is going to be up there. <laughs> <laughs> there I mean, you can still like, do Mick Jagger. That's what's so crazy. <laughs> you um, could. Yeah, you could. <laughs> like 20 years later, like, good God. You could say Eddie Vedder. If you think Eddie Vedder is going to be <laughs> up there. For- <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could. Um. Yeah, for Leslie, the Liz Stauber character that everybody was joking that Barrett cast and everything, I put in Sabrina Carpenter. So we have oh. some more uh, hate you give uh, oh, going nice. on in there. Very good. Um, and then for the uh, for the bass player, I found I looked up actors who could play bass and actors who could play drums. So I have Michael Sarah playing bass uh, nice. as the nice. fellow's character, and I have Jason Schwartzman. His Scott Pilgrim versus the World co-star playing drums. <laughs> Drummer of Phantom Planet. Drummer of Phantom Planet, indeed. So that rounds oh, out my cast. Nice. 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 Digging it. The, the Digging ending it. was the flourish right there, man. That was that's solid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. It's time to talk about BetterHelp. Yeah, BetterHelp. BetterHelp. Better help. Uh, man, without getting too new agey and guru-y and stuff like that, I want to ask yeah. everyone right about now, and because it may be a while since somebody's asking you this, how you feeling? How you doing? How's everybody doing that's listening to this right now? Are you doing okay? Because a lot of times, and I'm speaking from personal experience, you feel like you're doing okay. You're going about your life. Everything's okay. You're just doing what you're doing and stuff like that. But you don't stop to think about actually how you're doing you know, with yourself, with your relationships, with your communication, stuff like that, with your health. And uh, sometimes it is very, very good to have a pause like that uh, and be able to talk to somebody uh, about a certain problem that you've been kind of avoiding or a certain problem that you haven't really thought about for a long time, but may be contributing to some bad behaviors, whether it's lack of sleep, whether it's lack of exercise, whether it's lack of communication, uh, substance abuse, stress, anger, all that stuff. So we have uh, a, a service called BetterHelp that's available to everyone uh, worldwide, thousands of licensed counselors, uh, betterhelp.com that is online 
counseling that you can do from the comfort of your own home. You log on, you sign up for it, you answer a few questions and you get matched to a counselor. That counselor will then go through kind of like an intake procedure and then say, hey, what do you want to work on? And it forces you, and this is, again, my personal experience, it forces you to think about yourself, your health, didn't mean that to kind of rhyme, um, and and to take a second to actually like focus on your thoughts. Jeremy, I don't know, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but I, this is jarring the first time that you do it, right? Because you're, yeah, you're think- used to kind of going along and avoiding things or just surface level things. Once you stop, things get real, right? Yes. Yeah, so the therapy, you know, you get out of it what you put into it. Let's let's assume that you, you have uh, a good rapport with your therapist. You know, if you don't want to present the issues that are maybe things you don't typically speak about, at least in public, then you're not going to, you're not going to make much headway on those issues. Um, but if you're able to be open and honest, um, then yeah, it's jarring. Um, any kind of therapy is because you're sort of, you're sort of trusting um, mm-hmm. someone with things that you may not even trust a relative or a close friend with. Uh, and that can be daunting and scary, but like, you have to view it as <clears throat> they're, that they're professionals and that not only you, you also have uh, confidentiality, but they want to help you. They want you to get better. Yeah. Uh, I did want to tell one anecdote um, yesterday. Cause I, I, I had the worst day I've had in a long time uh, for a variety of reasons, external factors, but also just, I was just in a pit. I was just down all mm. freaking day. And my wife kept checking on me. Are you okay? Do you know, can you, what's wrong? Can you put your finger on it? <clears throat> After she'd gone to bed, I looked down and I'd forgotten to take my freaking anxiety pill. Oh. And, an anxiety pill is not a one-time fix for anxiety. Maybe it's not something I have to take for the rest of my life, but it is something that I have to take regularly and keep in my bloodstream so that it can do its job. Therapy is very similar. You can't do Mm -hmm. one therapy session and go, well, I don't feel fixed. Uh, You can't do five therapy sessions and go, well, everything's not better yet. Um, It is a process, and it is a process that I can tell you firsthand um, has improved my life in a lot of different ways. And BetterHelp, in this time when so many people are unable or unwilling uh, to travel, um, it's a lifesaver. It really is. It really is. And when I say it's jarring, it's it's jarring in, in a good way. It's just like going to the doctor and figuring out something is wrong and fixing that problem. Rather than, you know, just kind of going along and dealing with that problem, walking on a sore foot or something like that, or having a cough for a month instead of getting it treated. Uh, this is this is exactly the same. It's just uh, having to do with yourself, your feelings, your emotions, your brain, uh, which affects physiology, all that stuff. Um, BetterHelp is, is, is available at a unique time uh, that we're all living in right now, and it will continue to be available after this unique time, hopefully passes. And I've been doing this, I just realized, for over a year now. Wow. I didn't even realize that. Mm. And <laughs> I'm going to try not to get choked up. But uh, I found it. I've, I've barely scratched the surface. And there's much to do. But now that I'm into it, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, and, and it's And it's... 
it's something that I needed to do. So uh, if you feel like there's any reason for you to uh, contact a, a licensed counselor, uh, this is such an easy way to do it. Betterhelp.com, uh, H-E-L-P.com slash Sincast will get you 10% off your first month, uh, which if you use it as much as I do, is not insignificant. Um, I would encourage anyone who's having, take a second and then do a little mental checklist and see how you're doing. Um, don't just kind of like, ah, I'm fine. I'm skipping through this ad. I want to get to the movies and the things and the anger and stuff like that. I want to take a second, think about what's going on with you. If you feel like you need to reach out to someone, go to betterhelp.com slash sendcast and, uh, treat yourself, do, do something, (laughs) do, do something good, uh, for yourself. Oh, that was fun. I like that. Yeah. 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 I think so. I think so. Um, okay, so now that we've uh, recast a movie and uh, shit all over Cameron Crowe's work. No, we, no, we didn't. We didn't do that. Uh, does anybody have any recommends or warns? Totes amazeballs. There go. Right. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. Uh, there's a, there's a series I picked up. I had heard about for a really long time. Uh, this series is now, what, 15 years old, I think, uh, but uh, the reason why I was inspired to go watch it was that I'd only seen snippets of it. And when we were talking to Scott Sava about Animal Crackers, and then we and he brought up Ian McKellen, uh, I brought up the the uh, scene in Extras that Ian McKellen has where he's talking about the 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 art of acting and everything. And Ian McKellen is fucking sublime in that <laughs> episode. This so gorgeous it's so i mean great. he's 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 like he's like when uh when peter jackson came to me and asked me if i wanted to to play gandalf the wizard i said to him you know that i am not in fact actually a wizard right I'm not a and wizard. peter jackson said yes i know i i know you are not he's like this is he's like so, so like it's for me i have to get on the set and i have to be like what would a wizard do because that's what <laughs> acting is <laughs> i had to pretend to be a wizard you see <laughs> You're not, I see. I see. I've lost you. I see. I've lost you. And Ricky Gervais is like, no, no, no. I understand. He's like, no. I see. You've lost you. He's like, how did? He's like, how did I know what to say? The lines were written down. <laughs> <laughs> they were in a script. He's like, where? Do, where did I know where to go? Somebody pointed me to where to go. <laughs> um, so I started watching extras because, uh, and and I had heard that it was a really funny show. It does have some hallmarks of shows like, you know, where it's got some uncomfortable humor in it and, 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 you know, things like that. But I think it's a good balance. I don't think it's all that or anything like that, but you follow around Ricky Gervais and I want to look up the, uh, the actress he plays alongside because she's fantastic. It is Ashley Jensen. So they're, they, they basically, their whole lives are getting on these sets to play extras. And, uh, and, and they're, and Gervais is really like looking for that big moment. He wants, he wants to have a, a breakthrough of some sort so he can do quote unquote real acting. And, um, and so every, every, every episode basically boils down to they're on some new set. 
and they have a guest star on these on these shows every time. They always find a way to be in some movie where some huge actor is is playing, and every single time those actors are cut. They they are playing quote unquote themselves, but it's their asshole, like absolute total asshole selves and everything. <laughs> so you have like Patrick Stewart on there, and like uh, Gervais tries to pitch him a script. And Stewart's like, I myself have been doing right, uh, my own writing. Uh, he's like, he's like, um, and he describes this scene where it's like, it's like, I have, the, I'm this, I'm this guy who can, you know, it, it talk about X Men. He's like, yeah, but I want to be like that, like, a, like, a, like that in the real world where I have a, I'm a man, man who has mind control powers and everything. So I go around and I can like pull somebody, some woman's clothes off and everything. <laughs> and you're just walking down the street and I pull down the woman's clothes and everything. And, and, and he goes, is, is that it? Is that all, is that all you're going to do? Well, yeah, because after I pulled off the clothes, I've seen everything and it's great. <laughs> and like, and, 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 and like every scenario he turns to Gervais is like, what, what, so what is the story? What does he do? And like everything inevitably involves like pulling someone's clothes off and I've seen everything and blah, 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 blah. Um, but uh, Orlando Bloom is on one and he's like, he's, he's let the sexiest man alive shit go to his head. And he just <laughs> keeps talking about how, how great he is and how handsome he is and everything. Uh, the Daniel Radcliffe one is f- fucking great. Cause he's still, I think he's still like 16 or 17 at the time. And like, is that the one point. where he's like super horny or like, yeah, he keeps going around to every woman on set and everything. He's like, he's like, Oh, I see you got a wedding ring. That doesn't stop me very much. And like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, uh, and, uh, and he's like, he, he goes up to, he goes up to, uh, the Ashley Jensen character. And uh, he says, uh, you know, "I've done it with I've done it with women before, intercourse wise." <laughs> <laughs> intercourse wise. Wow, yeah. I'm totally going to say that to my wife later on. <laughs> I have not. I am. I'm about an episode or two away from finishing the series. It only had two seasons, uh, but it's fantastic. I think. I think Gervais and Ashley Jensen have great like. Uh, chemistry she's always she's she's the one who just doesn't get things she doesn't get anything really at all uh and so like when whenever he's trying to lie or he's trying to he tells a story in confidence she always manages to fuck that up somehow like you know that's her that's like her big role but i mean she's got her own thing going on too in the show but uh she's a revelation to me i'm sure like people in great britain know all about Ashley Jensen, but for me, it's brand new. I'd never seen her before Mm. and I, and I just find her adorable, but yeah, the show is funny. I highly recommend it. It's something that would take probably like, you know, a weekend to get through the series. So, uh, extras is, uh, is great. What do you think about Ricky Gervais? Like overall? Um, I like Ricky Gervais. I think I do too. Like it seems like as he gets older, he gets ornerier and he gets a little more like like too much for me. Yeah, I mean, I think once people think you're a certain thing, they keep pushing you to be that kind of thing. Yeah. All the time and it becomes a little bit much, but I think if you just leave him to his own devices and he does his own thing and everything, it it turns, you know, uh, I think he's, I think he's good. Um, 
that I was looking because I thought it was the same show, but uh, I was looking for that Liam Neeson clip that he has with Gervais. Oh, and that's from uh, and that's from Life's Too Short, where they're making a, a, a like a movie or a documentary about Warwick Davis or something like that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, and 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 like there, I, I think it's like a series of episodes where people come in and they try out or they want to do something. Liam Neeson has that great m- moment where he's like, "I've I've decided that I wanted to do some comedy," <laughs> and, 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 and that whole thing where he's like, he's like. Well, uh, it's like, I want to do more like improvisations, you know, like, uh, like, okay. Well, it's like, he's like, let's just go ahead and do a scene. It's like, uh, you you play a doctor and I'm a patient. And he's like, okay, okay. And, uh, and, and Liam Neeson comes in. He's like, hi, uh, I'm sorry. He's like, the doctor's like, how are you doing? He's like, Oh, I'm not doing very well. I have full blown AIDS. And like, <laughs> and, 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 and Stephen Merchant is like, that seems a little heavy for a comedy routine and he's like well how does he get away with it pointing to ricky gervais <laughs> and Stephen merchant's like I, I don't know we don't know why <laughs> you know, we don't know how that happened uh so that i'm gonna watch that too but uh but yeah extras extras is really funny i nice. I, I recommend it nice. all right good call what do you think i watched me a little movie from last year last year called a jojo rabbit <clears throat> aha um, finally well you know i'm a little Late to the game on most of these movies. Chris, you've um, seen this. I've seen this. Mm-hmm. What did you think? I need to see it again. I watched it one very late night at Green Hills uh, and to, to try to get all my Oscar nominees mm. uh, rounded up. And uh, so, yeah, I need to watch it again. I'm recommending this. It was close to a record Warren because there I, th- I had trouble with the tone. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it does not, in my opinion, <clears throat> it does not, in my opinion, pull off the delicate balance of light tone and heavy tone the way Life is Beautiful does. And I compare it to that because both movies are about seeing uh, Nazism through the eyes of a child. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the moments that are light in Jojo Rabbit feel a little too light. And it kept the heavier moments from having impact. Um, there's even a moment where one, I don't, I don't want to spoil this movie. It's relatively new, but there's even a moment where one character's relative has died. And another character says, sorry about your relative. And the, and the first character goes, so what's that over there? And I was just like, there could be a lot of weight to this moment, but this is trying to be a kid beat instead of a heavy beat. Uh, that being said, I enjoyed it. And I think most people would, um, Sam Rockwell was probably my favorite part. Mm. Um, and the girl that he hides in his house, um, mm-hmm. I thought she was exceptional as an actress. Um, and there are very funny moments, uh, especially the moment where he sees his old friend, and his old friend drops the cart he's carrying to wave high, and a fucking missile shoots out of it and blows <laughs> up a building, and the kid's like, shit. Uh, and then they have this hilarious conversation while they're pulling this wagon of, of, of ammo, uh, talking about, uh, well, basically, it's the kids talking about Nazis, and the one kid says, hey, the Russians are out there. They're even worse than the Nazis. You don't even know. Uh, <clears throat> the Japanese are our only friends, but they don't look too Aryan, if you ask me. Um, yeah. There's a lot of good... Uh, barbs and humor. Um, I am not trying to detract from it by ma- almost making it a rec- uh, record warm. Um, 
I liked it. I liked it a lot. And uh, I think you would too. That's really all I have to say about it. The lead kid is great. Um, and uh, the director is great in his small role as Hitler. Um, <clears throat> he's clearly chewing the scenery up. Uh, it, but it did many, at many times, it reminded me of Life is Beautiful. Mm. Uh, and I think that movie ultimately pulled off uh, the dance a little better. So, there you go. Yeah, just for the record, Roman Griffin Davis plays JoJo, and Thomason McKenzie plays Elsa, the girl that gets hidden. She was great. She yes. was, I'm not sure I've seen her in anything. But, yeah, the um, I had uh, I the only other thing. I mean, I don't remember The Hobbit too much, but she plays Astrid in that, and then she's also in a movie that I saw earlier this summer called True History of the Kelly Gang. Okay. Um, uh, which uh, you know we got to to watch as a as a critical screening or whatever. So oh, that's right. Um, what did you think of uh, Scarlett Johansson, Jeremy? I thought she was great. I thought she was great. I I don't I don't I don't want to spoil the movie, but I wasn't happy necessarily with how her character was used. Hmm. Um, that uh, that whole scene at the dinner table though brought her to a whole new echelon for me. Where he's like, yeah. I want my father, and and she goes from her. It, it, it's a it's a high wire act. She is being the Roberto Benigni character, basically. Yeah, right? she's trying to hide the horrors from her kid. Yeah, but but yeah. she's she's funny, but she's strict, and uh, you know that kind of thing. She makes sure everything's good. She dances. She tries to keep things light, but then she goes into this dramatic mode into really. The only way that she can communicate what she's feeling to her kid and that whole uh, kabuki theater of smearing the, the ash on her face and all that stuff yeah, is just, I don't know, man. I, that's, that's a movie that was very memorable to, you, to me. And to me, the tonal shift, I think I mentioned this before, that was one of the only holy shit moments where I had to pause it because I had it on on Blu-ray at the time, I had to pause it and just walk around for a while mm-hmm. uh, because it does shift jarringly. And I, I think Aaron said the same thing. Like I think you either go with it or you don't. And it sounds yeah. like you didn't quite go with it. I went with I it headlong, quite. and I thought it was brilliant. I thought they pulled it <clears> off. Uh, I did love the very last scene. I love the way this movie ends. I do too. Um, I do too. And. I, I, it's not a big spoiler, but I'm still not going to tell you uh, because it, it, it's a very, very, very lovely ending, uh, and it made me smile. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go. It's a recommend. I, I did not ultimately record warn. I just you know there is some tone shift. Maybe look at the Does the Dog Die website before you watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I do recommend. It. Speaking of Stephen Merchant, he's uh, he's in there as uh, one of the inspectors, isn't he? Um, yes. he's the, he's the, the one, like the super genial, uh, inspector that comes in and smiles yeah. and everything. Yes. He but he's super that, yeah. evil. He's like, <laughs> he's basically the, the fucking Christoph Waltz character. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. I got an olden, I got a 30 year old movie to recommend. Boom. Wow. Uh, because I finally rewatched it. It was one of my most watched movies growing up and I didn't really, it's funny. I watched this before I watched The Godfather. <laughs> All right. It's a movie mm-hmm. called The Freshman. And we've mentioned it in ah. passing before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was 1990. And this is, this is such a unique movie. Uh, it was directed by Andrew Bergman, 
uh, who's known mostly as a writer. It's got a great cast. Marlon Brando, in 1990, by the way, before he completely lost his mind. Uh, uh, Matthew Broderick, Bruno Kirby. Mm -hmm. may sound weird to have Marlon Brando and Bruno Kirby in the same movie. Penelope Ann Miller, Frank Whaley, 90s as fuck, Frank Whaley. Yeah. Uh, Paul Benedict, Mr. Uh, Edley Begley, whatever his name is from the, uh, the Jeffersons, uh, and a, a host of other, B.D. Wong uh, shows up, Maximilian Schell uh, in a great part. What this is, is, God, how do you explain this movie? I'm going to try to use as few words as possible. Matthew Broderick is a freshman going to NYU, and he gets robbed one night uh, by some dude, and he finally finds the, the guy who robbed him, and he confronts him. And the guy who robbed him says, you know what? You got some spunk to you. And says, I'm going to take you to my boss and let you meet him. The guy turns out to be Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando is playing a guy named Carmine Sabatini. And Matthew Broderick's looking at him within the movie and saying, he's sitting behind like this oak desk. It's dark. He's got a cat. He's crushing walnuts in his hand. And he's like, hey, you look a lot like... And then nobody says anything. He's like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't say that. And Bruno mm-hmm. Kirby plays his right-hand man. Also sounds familiar because of The Godfather 2, where he plays Vito, uh, Vito's right-hand man uh, in the earlier days. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, this whole thing turns into a mob story that Matthew Broderick's character gets enveloped into, whereby he's, he's to the surprise of him, he's engaged to marry uh, Carmine's daughter, Penelope Ann Miller, He's trying to go to school. He's going to film school. Uh, everybody that meets Carmine also says the same thing. Like the, the resemblance is uncanny. You know, that kind of, <laughs> and what 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 he's trying to do? He works for the he he runs the gourmet club, which is also where Maximilian Shell is the uh, the chef, and they serve endangered species. That's their <laughs> big thing. Yeah, people can p- pay up to a million dollars to eat the last of a species, and it is the one of the funniest movies that you'll see. This is Matthew Broderick in his prime. This is Marlon Brando. I swear to God, playing Vito Corleone, playing a knowing wink, not even a wink, like a nod to Vito Corleone, yeah. saying the same thing. The The professor in the class is showing his class Godfather 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. like, yeah. this is just the craziest, like, meta shit that you've ever seen but it's funny it works on so many levels again i saw this before i saw the godfather so i was like okay that's pretty yeah. funny but like seeing you know knowing the godfather the way i do now like it's just absolutely hilarious i would totally recommend this movie even now it holds up very very well uh watch it the freshman freaking hilarious the only thing dated really is bd wong's mm-hmm. haircut and frank whaley's outfit it has been 30 years since I've seen this movie. I saw this in theater, so I also Whoa. saw <laughs> I also saw this before I saw The Godfather. But at, even at that point, the tropes of The Godfather, the the just the just the general things about The Godfather were known. Yeah. But I still could not possibly appreciate all the different nods 
to the Godfather in that movie, especially like I wouldn't, I didn't know who the fuck Bruno Kirby was, <laughs> you know, like back then. Um, uh, and, and, and certainly didn't know that he was in Godfather two at the time, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, I remember this being a good movie. It's been forever since I've seen it. I think it came on cable a couple years ago and I watched maybe a, a scene from it but uh yeah i need to revisit this it's i remember okay so i didn't see it in theaters i saw it on home video um when i was in college or just after and i remember feeling like this is the perfect movie to have missed in theaters and caught at home and i really (laughs) like that (laughs) there's subtle sight gags in this that are just brando is on point absolutely on point in this where like he'll order a cappuccino he's in his, his restaurant office and everything He'll order a cappuccino and he's staring straight at Matthew Broderick and he's like, do you want some sugar? He's like, okay, I get some sugar. And he starts putting in the sugar and he just ends up putting like 20 scoops of sugar while he's talking to (laughs) the thing. And he takes one sip and he's like, no, it's just subtle things like that. He plays the exact same character as Vito Corleone. It is, it is absolutely great. I love it. I love it. All right. And young piano, 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 piano player. Piano, piano, piano. Penelope Ann Miller. Yeah, yeah. Piano player Ann Miller. She's one of those. She's one of those uh, actors back in that period of time where she had a, a, you know, several movies all in one thing. She was like, you know, hot shit there for a while. She was. Uh, she's in Carlito's Way. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's in a ton of stuff and then just kind of disappeared. Um, uh, she reminds me a little bit of uh, who's it? Uh, Nancy Travis had that had that yeah. uh, period of, <laughs> yeah. where she was in everything there for a long time, and and then and then just kind of kind of vanished uh, for whatever reason. No 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 reason that I know of, but uh, you know, uh, Penelope Ann Miller. That's a name. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sure is a name. <laughs> that's a name. <laughs> and by the way, I was just looking up Penelope Ann Miller, and she's. In a lot of stuff, it's just a lot of stuff that you may not have seen her in uh, in the last few years. But she's continued to work a bunch since. I wonder uh, if it's the same for Frank Whaley, by the way, because he disappeared. Right, uh, it looked like he was really on the rise in the mid '90s. But uh, yeah, she's uh, Penelope Ann Miller was in uh, what was the movie that I saw? I don't know, but she yeah she's in she's in a lot more stuff than I thought she was since the ninety. That was her that was her heyday. Uh, I'm gonna look up Frank Whaley as well, because uh, Frank Whaley for sure is one of those actors in the nineties. But yeah, he's got tons of stuff here. Uh, he was in Hustlers, but he's like in it for like five minutes, man. Like not even that. Is he one of the um, the guys that gets drugged? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's like one of the first guys that gets uh, that treatment. <laughs> How does uh, I haven't seen it yet. How does he look? Does he look like Frank Whaley, like an older? Yeah, man, you can't Whaley? mistake him. You can't mistake him. It's That's like Frank uh, Tom Everett Scott in La La Land. <laughs> really? Yeah, Come man, on. he's 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 a skateboard away. He's a skateboard and a Jennifer Connelly away from doing career opportunities again. <laughs> yeah, I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just go to questions. Let's go to All questions. Right. Question. Question. I got something to say. I am listening. I like these. Uh, we got a couple of them that uh, that made me hard. All right. Nice. <laughs> Jesus. Everything either makes Barrett hard or blows his scrotum sack on the floor. Or... There's a lot of action going on down there. I don't. There know. is. There is. is. You, you your know, penis is is more is more machine than man. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Twisted and evil. <laughs> Twisted and evil. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm going to have to really work to not have that be the cold open. <laughs> all right uh what is a movie that you watched which changed your ideas of what a movie could be in some way what a broad but beautiful question Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. i will tell you straight up and this and this is not this has not changed over the years but pulp fiction is the first is the first time I remember really just going, God damn it. How in the world did this movie get made? And you, you, we, we know Pulp Fiction at this point. Like everybody knows Pulp Fiction at this point, inside and out. Nothing seems like there's nothing about it that seems particularly mind blowing now because we've seen so many things that are kind of like it and, uh, and whatever. But just think about, you know, me at the time. 17 years old had seen oh, through the 1994 year movies like Forrest Gump and uh, you know, the, these type of movies, that's what that's, that's, that's basically what you think of as movies at the time, Forrest Gump. That's how that's, those were the movies. Uh, when Pulp Fiction came out, I was like, I was sitting there like just watching it with this and just like f- probably this look on my face, like what the fuck mm-hmm. is this? The, the the gangsters are sitting there talking about Burger King. They they go they go up to this apartment and they're about to kill somebody, but they have to wait a minute. It's not time yet. We have to go and talk about foot massages over here in a in a in a secret corner before we go back and kill these people. Um, the 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 structure of it going back and forth and and everything and and, and in time and. Uh, characters that are dead or alive again by the end of it. Uh, you know, I, I watched this movie like sort of forgetting because I'm, I, my mind is trained to, to think of movies in, in a linear fashion. Yeah. I had forgotten, even though it's a great scene, I'd forget, forgotten about the pumpkin honey bunny scene at the very beginning. Sure. Because I just thought it was sure. another story that they just, that's, that's where it ended. Uh, yeah. And, and then mm. like by the time it got to the end, and you know Travolta and Sam Jackson are in that diner and everything, and then finally they show that they're in the same diner at the same time. It's like, oh, holy fuck! I'd totally forgotten about those people, and this somehow connects to that. Wow, that's fucking crazy to me. <laughs> um, and uh, and like and 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 again, thinking of it so linearly, I actually thought Samuel L. Jackson might die in the scene, even though it happens before the the scene when they go to, to Marcellus's uh, bar and give him the the case mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. like uh, the the fact that they were wearing the volleyball you know the volleyball clothes and all that other stuff didn't even phase me i was just like okay whatever i'm just watching a movie that's going straight <laughs> through uh, you know when when uh, paul calderon was like hey what's up with them clothes you know i'm like i didn't even really think about it you know it's like cuz the last time i saw these characters they were in suits and and it looked like it just did a different part of the the movie to me. So, Pulp Fiction for me, and I and I understand, Jeremy, you've recently watched this again, and you you don't think it holds up as much. I kind of agree with that. By the way, I think there's a lot of things in that movie that don't hold up anymore. It's it's pretty obvious, 
what mm-hmm. doesn't hold up anymore in this movie. But mm-hmm. just the the idea of what you can do with movies, that's yeah. it. This is the perfect answer to this question, for sure. Um, <clears throat> and I didn't write it down before you did, so I obviously have inferior answers. I wrote three, because um, <clears throat> I always go overboard. Um, but when, I, when I first saw Seven mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> in the theater... With those fucking opening credits yeah. jumping all over the screen and that music. Yeah. Now, this is maybe a year and a half, two years after I've gone away from home to college and fall in love with movies. And I watch a lot of movies now, but I had never seen anything like Seven. Especially the idea that you could... There were two things that blew my mind the most. Blew my mind. Um, that you could hide a guest star arguably more famous than your two leads at the time the movie was made, uh, or at least that reveal of Kevin Spacey problematic today uh, is still an incredible reveal um, that I'm sad if you knew he was in that movie before you went to see it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then of course the ending uh, and the the balls of this movie. um, It just, just showed me movies can be more than what I have previously expected. Um, and then the Matrix did the same thing, both in terms of a story that, you know, turned my brain to mush, but also the visuals and the the bullet time uh, running on walls and shit that I had never seen in a movie. Again, and then about, I'm sorry to break in, but you're good. Uh, the think about not knowing what that looked like before it actually happened. That had <laughs> never you had never seen that before. And yeah. then Matrix comes along and there's this trailer where Keanu's doing this bendy thing with the, the bullets like in slow motion and all that. Like that was insane at the time. Like how the hell did they do that? Yeah. Yep. So yeah, it turns out they set up like a hundred cameras in a circle and created a technology. They did. Um, <laughs> and then the other one I wrote down was toy story. The first toy story, mm-hmm. because that was the first time that a computer animated anything. Um, had as much heart as you know the old classic hand-drawn Disney stuff uh, or even the modern Disney stuff like Lion King or what have you. And that, again, was was like, wow, where, where do we go from here? And, of course, we've seen each successive Toy Story makes the previous one look like crayon drawings <laughs> yeah. how much yeah. better they've gotten. Uh, but that first one, I mean, this is a great movie, great story, fun voices, but half the enjoyment was just like, holy shit, look at what they did with the computer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I've uh, I've mentioned this before about uh, seven. Um, you know, the, I, I, if there's anything about this uh, talking about these movies in the way in in this way, uh, just thinking about the contexts of these movies when you see them and what you know at what at what point because yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of people who are born in like you know, 2003 or whatever. And like seven is not going to seem like anything special to them because they've seen tons of stuff like it or whatever by the, by that point. But, um, but the, but also think about, you know, this is, that's the year before Kevin Spacey's a really big actor, uh, in 1995. Uh, if you were a big movie goer back then, you saw the usual suspects in August, Mm-hmm. And you watch the usual suspects and you saw that he's Kaiser. So say by the end of it, and it blows your mind. It's a big, huge twist reveal. Then watch seven and not know that Kevin Spacey is in the movie <laughs> before you watch it. So 
you know, you've already seen him as the devil in usual suspects. <laughs> he gets in, you go into seven and you're watching it and you're like, okay, who's this killer? It doesn't even really matter who the killer is, but then it turns out to be, Oh my God, it's the guy from usual suspects. <laughs> it's, it's an even more mind blowing, uh, great reveal when you see it in that kind of an order, yeah. you know, um, uh, so it, you know, it's important. I think a lot of times to know that kind of context when we, well, when and we come I got to give credit to my buddy, Josh, that I've talked about a bunch on this show. We watched this movie together and when he yells detectives, yeah. he said, it's Kevin Spacey. Oh my God. It's oh, Kevin Spacey. Because wow. he was obsessed with swimming with sharks. Ah, right. Uh, nice. And so he knew the voice as soon as he yelled that and I wouldn't have gotten it. Um, but yeah, I mean, any other movie would probably not cast that that way and would never have the balls to end the way this movie does i believe swimming with sharks came out the same year as well it came out earlier in 1995 um if not maybe late 94 okay uh, but uh but it's fun that josh is obsessed with that movie i too have seen swimming with sharks a hundred billion times uh <laughs> i don't think back in 1995 i had seen it a bunch though so when that detective shows up i did not know the voice um, although uh, I've heard some people, uh, have picked that it was Kevin Spacey, uh, in the stairway scene when he, when yeah. Brad Pitt hits the photographer because wow. of the, you know, Hey, I got a right to be here. You know, of course, if you've heard enough Kevin Spacey at that point, you can hear him doing a voice at that point. But if you yeah. didn't at that time, which I didn't, uh, none of that revealed it until it actually showed his face. A lot of, uh, Frank Whaley movie discussion going on today yes there is yeah, man. Friend, of the show, Frank <laughs> friend of the show that's right i'll tell you what you mentioned the matrix being uh blowing your mind with the visuals and things like that the next year crouching tiger hidden dragon did that for me oh yeah baby now i'm yeah. sure that that wire foo thing had been going on in hong kong or or wherever for years but i don't know if it's ever been that sophisticated at that point uh because once they start T- dancing on top of trees and shit like that. I was like, ah, cause I had seen a man. bunch of Kung Fu, but I was like, I ain't seen this before, man. This is, there's like a, a reason level. that uh, for a time that was the highest grossing foreign, foreign, foreign film? language film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there for a reason it's, it's beautiful. Even a lot of the earlier wire foo stuff that they were making before American audiences saw it wasn't a painting like this fucking yeah. movie is, yeah. man. It's uh, it's art. Uh, so I and totally get that. If I recall, it's the same guy who does the Matrix Wirefu. Yeah. Uh, Wing Lupin. Yeah, and you had mentioned that, I think, right, Barrett? You said thinking of the Matrix or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think the, the beauty part of it came from Ang Lee, and I think that crossed with the, the choreography just blended perfectly. And mm-hmm. I had never seen anything like that. My real yeah. answer, that was just piggybacking off of your answer. Uh, I've got two other ones. One is, is bullshitty because it's, it, everybody says this, but Citizen Kane, even though it was, came out a long time uh, before I was born, uh, still blew my mind the first time mm-hmm. I watched it. The shots Dude. that he makes, not only the, uh, the pan in from the uh, outside raining into the, the casino and all that, but the mirror shot... Uh, with Kane coming out through through uh, Xanadu and all that, there's just amazing shots in here that even now I'm like, oh, seriously, that's mm-hmm. amazing. How did he do? Yeah, that? when I saw Citizen Kane for the first time, when he brings that camera through the window, I was I was like, 
well, how the fuck did he do that back then? I know. <laughs> like, even today, that would be tricky. But back then, I, I don't want to correct myself. I threw out a sloppy Americanized pronunciation, but Yen Wu Ping is the choreographer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, and he had, uh, in Citizen Kane, he had um, invented things that had not been thought of yet. Like, he wanted to have these low-angle shots to show the towering nature of, of Charles Foster Kane. Uh, and he had to like, you know, he, he's like, why don't we just put a f- hole in the floor and then put the camera down in that and make it look like <sighs> it's cause, cause that was, I guess at the, you know, at the time, everybody's like, well, there's a floor there. You can't do anything about that, <laughs> you know? And, and he, and, and, but not, but, but not Orson Welles. Orson Welles is like, let's fuck some shit up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and he's, he's famously said he's done this because he didn't know any better. He wasn't yeah. a cameraman. He wasn't a director. This is his first feature. And uh, he was like, I'll break the rules because I don't know what the rules are. Which is exactly why, like, it's it's so important to get new people, new and fresh blood into things. Because there are too many people out there who go, oh, you can try that, but it won't work. Yeah. Or, yeah. or they just put it in their heads that this won't work. Or whatever, and if you get somebody who doesn't know that, maybe they've thought of it at an angle that you ne- that's never been thought of before. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's hard to do that now, obviously, but th- there are there are things out there that people can try, and that uh, you know, it's it's why you know fresh blood is so important. Yep. Uh, and the other one is a somewhat surprising thing, uh, but man, the movie Contact in 1997. Mm. Uh, Mm-hmm. blew my mind i wasn't expecting much i had read cosmos uh from carl sagan and i love the way he wrote because he has this such conversational style very much like neil degrasse tyson of mm-hmm. explaining absurdly complex topics in a way that stupid people like me can understand and so i hadn't read contact at the time i, I did after this but I went into this fairly green. I just knew that it was Zemeckis. It was Foster. Like I'm, I'm on board for this. But the combination between the the real life relationships, the how big it felt, the the, the initial signal that they got, how it'll give you chills. That that sound is just like it, it was electric. And that the two tracking shots in that movie. Yeah. my mind the mirror shot is still i think impossible i still i've read how they did it and i still don't know how they did it. <laughs> exactly <laughs> but you know so that one and then the one where she gets the signal and it tracks her all the way back to the lab the seti lab then back mm. up stays on it for all of it we're recording we've been recording since this everybody's getting together and it's it's just absolutely nonstop from that point, and even the the last part when she does go on the the trip, uh, sure the dad part is is a little bit disappointing, but everything up into there, you get her same sense of wonder, like seeing the two stars wrapped around each other and the other galaxy and the pit stops that she makes, is just electric. And it, I came out of there. I had uh, this this wonderful girlfriend at the time. It was a pseudo intellectual, and we talked for hours about that movie. <laughs> well, 
She turned out to be a pseudo intellectual. <laughs> she is dumb. No, she's <laughs> smart, but no, she no, thinks she's smarter she than smart. she is too. Uh, she was, cute, but uh, <laughs> we talked for a long time after that movie about that movie, and I, I don't think I've ever talked about one movie that long right after I saw it, and I went back and saw it again uh, the next week, and it, it was it was mesmerizing. I don't know how you guys, mm-hmm. I know you guys like it, uh, but it had a big impact on me. Um, you know, subsequent viewings, there's some cheesy parts in there. There's, it's a little bit overlong, but man, I still, I still love it. I still love it. I, um, I've, I've probably talked about contact a couple of times on, on the podcast. I love contact. It's one of these many movies, uh, over the years. It's amazing. You, you know, we bring up these movies from the nineties and everything. And I can, I can pinpoint exactly where I am in time, with them you know seven uh puts me at the uh williamson square eight and the projection booth of, of williamson square eight a bunch just waiting for that movie it was always the longest one it was always the one that got out the latest whatever so i watched you know a lot of seven but contact was another one another like long movie and like every time i was waiting for everything to shut down for the evening i would go in and watch contact and i would watch the the John Hurt scene where he's <laughs> he's telling her about the second spaceship and everything and um and uh, I just always get chills watching that you know where he's like they still want an American to go doctor you want to take a ride and he's all upside <laughs> down and shit and like uh because because they put him on mirror uh, to to like. Uh, because he's got these like diseases that work better in space or yeah, something. Yeah, it's better for yeah. cancer to in zero gravity. Right. And uh and then and then Alan Silvestri's score and again, I cannot believe this guy has never won an Oscar. I think he's only right. been nominated one time or something. That's crazy. Like it's insane like the, how many not- like known Silvestri scores are out there and this contact one man just always it that 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 little that simple ding 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 Mm-hmm. All during that whole build up to the to Jodie Foster going up into the into the thing. Oh my god, it just like takes me all back and everything. So yeah, I love contact. Dude. It's glorious. Yeah, it's glorious. It's <laughs> Uh, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, keep going to Sincast presented by CinemaSins on Facebook. We're also on CinemaSins Twitter, Music Video Sins Twitter. Uh, we're on uh, SoundCloud. We're on Discord. If you want to get on Discord, you can go to our Reddit page and find the link on the right side and go there. Or you can private message me on Facebook and I can give you a link there. But that's going to do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. You guys are doing some awesome shit during that whole thing. You got 20 seconds of work there that we don't ever have to do. And so today Barrett started dancing <laughs> well, and I just joined him. It's <clears throat> funny when I'm going through that thing over like every time, like I'm sitting there going, this probably just sounds like, like, God damn it. Get over with it already. Type of, you know, <laughs> type of bullshit. So I'm like, yeah, I'm the same way. I want to get, want to get through this. It's a call to action, man. It's a call to action. It CTA. Is. What was I looking at a movie from, uh, 
No, it was uh, an album. Pitchfork did their uh, long Sunday review on uh, on uh, Rage Against the Machines Battle of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because I always thought of that as like the third best Rage Against the Machine album, right? Because mm-hmm. it had the first one is way top. Then you have Evil Empire, which was great. And yeah. then Battle of Los Angeles was good. It had Gorilla Radio on it, Sleep Now in the Fire, mm-hmm. uh, a few good songs on there. Um, but then it went into a deep dive. Pitchfork actually did an insightful article for once and was like all the the ethos behind what he was trying to say with without clouding it in bullshit and like capitalism and all the stuff and all that. Like what he was really trying to say on that record. And like it, it made it into contextually like, I got to go back and listen to that thing, man. That, that like, listen to it with fresh ears because when you're 19 years old, all you hear is sleep now in the fly. <laughs> I did see, did you see that guy a couple of weeks ago? Cause Tom Rello's on Twitter and he's very outspoken and vocal. And somebody tweeted something like, man, remember when rage against the machine was just about music. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like Twitter roasted his ass for like not having any idea what he was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> then I went to the bar. Yes. There's only one thing that means. It does. It it definitely doesn't mean that you were going out there to like uh, fashion a table for your house. <laughs> He's building a canoe. It yeah. can only mean I have multiple women tied up in my barn to play with me whenever it I want. It was pretty amazing that you were able to get those get those women out of there before, when we visited that one time. Kept uh, them quiet. I tell you what, newsflash: they were there. Oh, <laughs> you just didn't look up. Oh, I didn't look up. Damn. This has gotten so fucking dark. Yes. <laughs> he shows us pictures of of women duct taped up to the top of the ceiling. <laughs> Screaming oh, desperately poor. for us to pay attention. I think I have a new short story idea. <laughs> you, see, you see Jeremy up on an A-frame ladder, like pulling out duct tape and smiling. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Erica, you stay quiet. <laughs> I managed to to get it all done this morning, man. I was worried about it because uh, normally I, I wait until the morning to do these type of do these uh, podcast prep, but the the morning was shorter than usual because of the Kevin and Keith meeting. Yes, and uh, I was up, up up playing online poker until like two thirty in the morning. Oh <laughs> no. And so, like, I woke up at like eight thirty, and I'm like, "All right, now I gotta start whipping up this almost famous." <laughs> but first, I gotta go to the barn and feed the women. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we fuck the horses and ride the women. <laughs> How like uh, guys in the '80s used to walk around with the the crop tops? Oh yeah, that the was the best. That was uh, Paul Rudd in Wet Hot American Summer had a crop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, you know, I did I did my I spent far too long on the uh, clueless recasting and I was nailing it was I was killing it in the recasting. But the Paul Rudd character, the Josh character is impossible to recast. I can't think of anybody currently that would be perfect for that role that's humorous but also a borderline sex symbol type of thing. Like not too old, not too young. He was like 20, 21 or something like that when he did that role. 
So, uh, yeah, yeah, it was okay. He's kind of a bald one. (laughs) (laughs) You're not, you're not wrong about the wanting to get fucked thing. She wants to, she wants that Christian guy to fuck her. That Christian guy, by the way, has gone on to star in like maybe three other movies. Did yeah. you know this? <laughs> I looked him up one day. I was like, where is that guy been? I know. He, Nowhere. I mean, he, he was a decent actor and like he's good looking and everything. And mm-hmm. yeah, just decided yeah. he's going to, I think he, he may be doing plays and stuff like that. Well, he was arrested yeah. for having a lot of women tied up in the rafters. <laughs> oh of shit. God, it's come full circle. <laughs> Yeah, so we also also need to figure out what happened to the mighty mighty Boston's after that movie too. <laughs> I was listening to Mighty Mighty Boston's on the way our most recent trip to Florida. I was thinking the same exact thing, man. Mm-hmm. They're still touring, or they were touring. Um, but I wonder, like poor Dickie Barrett, man, that guy for a ska band like this, like you <laughs> he had like that gun gun mm-hmm. thing uh, yeah 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 and uh <sighs> yeah he was scary he was scary he was he the little dancing guy he did all those little facial expressions man but yeah though that you know that that music is just so so 90s like there's no place for it uh i mean i guess somebody could do a, a modern spin uh, today and try to get that going again, but it, it's only it, that it's only got you know a few months probably before it goes. <laughs> yeah, back before out everybody again. finds it annoying again. Yeah, <laughs> like, because no, I don't do because this as soon as you had you know you had uh, was it uh, <laughs> was it uh, was it was it John Spencer uh, was that was that going on during that time too? Was yeah, that he was nice. John Spencer and, and Blues Explosion. Yeah, and then you had um, uh, Squirrel Nut Zippers, Brian Setzer uh, Orchestra. Brian Setzer is the one that I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, Brian Setzer's guitar solo on that Jump, Jive, and Whale song is one of my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God, it's one of my top ten favorite guitar solos of all time. And that guitar, I would fucking marry and fuck that guitar. Mm, that guitar. Yeah, it's a hollow body Gretsch. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> oh, I've already so dreamed about it. You ever oh, seen him play uh, that live, by the way? No, it's nothing to him. He's just like he may as well be like eating a sandwich and just like I fucking hate that people solo. that can play the guitar like that. It really bothers me. <laughs> at least, at least pretend that it's work. <laughs> and then you also had uh, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy was mm-hmm. uh, was during yep. that time. So like in the mid nineties, and I remember like they <laughs> they were that, that that movement lasted such a short amount of time. That when the movie Never Been Kissed came out and they're doing the rumors about Drew Barrymore's character about being like a groupie for the big bad voodoo daddy, it was already fucking like out of date. (laughs) It was like 98 (laughs) when that came out. (laughs) I think Ska still has a a life out there. Uh, Everything does. Probably Anything that ever had a life has a continued. Like, okay, did you see Smash Mouth had that concert and nobody wore masks and they were all proud of it? Mm. You know who was on that bill? Lit. Oh, wow. (laughs) The band Lit, who only had one hit and they're out there touring with Smash Mm. Mouth. Mm. So anybody that was ever a thing can probably still tour and make a few bucks. That was the You Make Me Come. You make me well, that, was, that was them, but uh, their big thing was my worst enemy. My own worst enemy. Oh, that one. 
Let's let's talk about that for a second. How the fuck did they get that song on the radio? Like, yeah, seriously. I, I, like, I know that uh, unedited. Like, I know that you know they can say, "Well, look, we're just trying to complete a sentence here." <laughs> So it's just the beginning of a sentence and he's, he's just trying to, he's trying to make it through the words and it's like, no, <laughs> no, dude, uh, you, it's so clearly three different things. You make me come. You're saying that <laughs> you said that shit. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> I remember when they made, uh, they forced uh, George Michael to change. I want your sex to, I want your love. Hmm. On radio? Yeah. So did it say I want your a- love and I want your love at the like both like both things? Uh, yes. Cause he because radio- he says I want your sex and then I want your love comes right after that. I, okay, I can see Barrett is fact checking me, which is good. Uh I don't want to fact check. I remember you. this being a big controversy because my these two guys that my that were kids of my parents' friends and my brother and I were making fun of it. Because we knew the song is actually "I Want Your Sex," but the radio version was tame, and we would always yell "sex" over mm-hmm. when they said, "No, you're right." I, so, I mean, that's yeah. The the second one is you know, "I want your sex," "I want your love," but then like that's not the only time. Like sex is said maybe sixty times in this thing. He's like, "Sex is natural, sex is fun, sex is best when it's one on one." <laughs> but then he's well, like, he's sex, wrong about I'm that. Not your father, <laughs> sex. I'm not your brother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's more like one on three and five. Yeah, or he, I yeah. was thinking one on O. Come on, one on O. Yes, sex with me. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen the? The the WAP video, the Cardi no. B and Megan Thee Stallion. No, uh, and it's already it's already turned into a wormhole. I don't really want to get sucked into. It's it's a perfectly fun song. It's a perfectly fine song if you like that that kind of thing, which I do. It's Lil Kim. It's Nicki Minaj. It's Eve. It's Queen Latifah. It's all that stuff. It's just a little more promiscuous. And you know, there's some there's some heavy uh, stuff in there about about. Uh, you know, pussy mopping and stuff like that. Yeah. But, but it's edited. It's edited. It's edited. There's, mm-hmm. it's even worse. Not worse. It's even better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's even, you know, grosser and, and, and wetter <laughs> in, in, <laughs> in the, the edited actual version? song. Oh, uh, actual song. no, in the actual song. Like, cause I was about to, you know, cause remember that Patton Oswalt thing we went to at Caroline's <laughs> yeah. many years ago. Yeah. And he, he started off that whole, that, that one bit where he was like, I want to stick my dick in your wet pussy. And he just, <laughs> just says this plain. And you're like, what's the joke, man? He keeps, he keeps saying stuff like that. And he's like, He's like, I don't like it when they change these words, though. Like, I think it makes it sound even grosser and yeah. weirder and everything when they do that. It's like, I want to stick my wee wee in your hoo hoo. <laughs> the only thing I remember from that video is that he had to put out a disclaimer that he wasn't for casual sex or something like that. I think that's what he at the very beginning of that video he had to he had to say, I'm not. You know, I'm not all about that. I thought and he's it famously was, it never has been, you know, about casual sex. Right. I thought he 
walked on stage and tore a picture of Sinead O'Connor. And <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> totally. That's totally something George Michael did. <laughs> 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 that would be that would be very metal. <laughs> <clears throat> and that was nothing compares to you. It was the the song she was doing, right? Mm, yes. Uh, yeah, I think so. It was a great Prince song. Hearing him sing that, man, whoo, whoo, that's good stuff. Yeah, about, make your make your arms tingly. Mm-hmm. You know who really sings that song? The guy from the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. That's yeah. right. <laughs> I was thinking the guy from. There's uh, nothing compares to you. <laughs> I was thinking the guy from uh, Crash Test Dummies. There was this kid who. There's another thing that was a hot minute. For oh popularity. yeah, for sure. Like, he looked like, like such a goddamn goofball, man. When when they would cut to him when he was doing that. <laughs> you know what? Uh, what's weird to me is uh, every time it seems like every three or four years that you know that uh, uh, is it the Proclaimers that did that I would walk five hundred mm-hmm. miles song, and uh, and like it, it became popular, I believe, on Benny and June. Mm-hmm. So it became like a '90s staple, but the move mm-hmm. the song came out in the '80s, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and like yeah, it charted it, in like '88 uh, in Scotland or in the UK. Yeah. yeah, it blows my mind every time. Like it, like it's such a '90s song. Mm-hmm. When so I wake up, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you. That's a good song, man. I like it. I tell you what, I got so much mileage out of doing Johnny Depp's Fork in the Biscuits dancing routine from Benny and June. Mm -hmm. I'm not even joking, man. That was a. Do you like that movie? I did then. I haven't seen it since literally like like whenever it came out on VHS the first time. I caught it uh, fairly recently again. I used to watch that movie all the time. And it's really, really good. It came on. Cable the other day, and I saw a lot of it for the first time. Hmm. It's uh, Mary, which Mary which, Stewart Masterson, Mary Stewart Masterson, uh, doing a pretty good mentally ill uh, performance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, paranoid. Oh yeah, eccentric. You know, she gets the mask and everything, and in a ping pong paddle, and she's out there in traffic, like directing traffic and stuff like that. You know, it's five feet apart. You know, thirty years ahead. <laughs> yeah, but Depp, Depp uh, plays such a good oddball before he became like an actual oddball. Like he plays like an actual like kind of <clears throat> I don't know rest about type of guy that's obsessed with Charlie Chaplin, and that's the I whole. I was going to say he's mostly just doing Charlie Chaplin bits. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I was about to ask when you said Johnny Depp did the fork and the biscuits thing. I was like, is that any different from is I did I didn't realize he was even though I'd seen a lot of Benny and June like two or three months ago, I didn't realize he was Charlie Chaplin obsessed, but uh, I was like, I was like, if that's, is that Johnny Depp's bit now? <laughs> it's like Charlie Chaplin did, Charlie no. Chaplin did it first, but like, uh, it's like, is it any, is it any different? But I think I saw that part when he, did I'll that. just tell you the girls in my college did not know, you know, Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin. Any of <laughs> so the, to them, it was the Johnny, it was the Benny and June bit. And, Cause the girls love that movie, dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then Jeremy Scott's doing it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's right. Pull a it wasn't down. a Johnny Depp thing anymore. It was a Jeremy Scott thing. That's right. Yeah. This was yeah. in between my other favorite bit, which was just, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I had this friend, I had this friend, Jana and, uh, 
if she would ever like sit down with a piece of food, this is so wasteful and terrible, like a s- small stack of cookies or a chicken patty. Like one of my favorite bits was t- to just suddenly smash the shit out of it. Like I was the Hulk <laughs> at just the extreme nature of the behavior always got really good reactions. And then I would go get her, you know, duplicate of whatever I just destroyed. But in hindsight, man, what a wasteful dickhead. move. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny to me then the moral but... of the story is that we're all assholes when we're young <laughs> I was for sure God. <laughs> like I'll get you Smash another one like I didn't just like there's not starving people that wouldn't have enjoyed that unsmashed chi- or even smashed chicken but fatty but you got a couple of chuckles out of it I yeah, did exactly. that's all I cared about at the time. God. <laughs> I guess it works thank you <laughs> thank you Thank you. <laughs> I feel like I'm You're accepting welcome. an Oscar or something like that. And I'm walking yeah, off yeah. the wrong way. How do people start- still walk off the wrong fucking... You know what? I'll tell you why people walk off the wrong way. I'll tell you why. I figured out why the last one. Do you, do you know why? Do you no, know why? Because the fucking people that are presenting the, the things... Okay, I'm, you're looking at me here. The people that gave them the trophy and mm. the, the, the trophy girl that, hands, that, that holds stuff... And everything, they're over here. You're supposed to exit stage right, but they're over here. Why don't they stand over here? And then you're going to start walking towards the people, and you're on your way over there. Well, and well, no, they're always over there, and then they walk over there, and then they're going over here. They should well, stand also, over there. Well, it also uh, is is weird just in a general social sense because just to turn away from the people who are behind you and start walking <laughs> to yeah, the right. Fuck yeah. Fuck you guys. And then walk <laughs> off. Then, you know, the, of course they're going to walk towards where people are, where the, the familiarity yeah. is and everything. I think, wow. I think in general, everybody knows where to go. It's just that the people, like you said, the people are over there and they kind of like walk towards them. It's sort of a gravitation type of thing. So it happens to like Meryl Streep will do it, man. Like, uh, mm-hmm. like it happens to multiple winners. They'll mm-hmm. just have that natural reaction to, oh, no, it's that way. Well, well you've I got mean, a- Meryl Streep, she's won so many times. She's gone left. She's gone right. You can't blame her for not She's gone backstage. Way. She's gone right yeah, back to her she's seat. She's like, oh, well, which way is it this time? I don't know. She's yeah. just... <laughs> 